Lock us in, load us in, pop in that A-track, spin the tape. Here we go. everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Star Wars Time Show, starring Matt and Nick. Woohoo! We're back, and this is just one of our regular shows, but we are happy to announce, starting next week, or at least the next show, we'll be getting back to our Resistance Recap special episodes. So, hopefully you'll be getting a mix of our Resistance Recaps, our Star Wars Time Show flagship, and then you never know if we're going to do any special topics. We do have some plans, as we teased last year. I definitely want to get to some stuff with the prequels, especially now that I've watched them with my two-and-a-half-year-old and kind of got her take on them. But for now, we're just going with Star Wars Time Show proper, right, my friend? we got a few things to talk about. We've got some Episode Nine stuff to talk about, some new collectible news to talk about. Um, you know, just this is what we do. This is the Star Wars Time Show. So yeah, we're 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 gonna kick it off with a little bit of the collectible world. This is Matt's universe here. I mean, he's really ingrained himself into the collectible. A little bit, yeah. About about twenty thousand dollars, probably lifetime worth, just on just Star a little Wars bit. Stuff, yeah, I mean, twenty thousand, not much. And you know, it has become his hobby. If you if you follow him on Instagram at Haywood Pop, you'll see not only Star Wars photography, you'll see Marvel photography and everything else from the geekosphere. Predominantly Star Wheels, though. I mean, that that's definitely my muse. But you never know. I mean, I'm looking now. It looks like I got a Dutch shot up there from Predator. Yeah, yeah. So you. And then I'll start. You, you mix and match a little bit. And, you know, right. this first piece that we're going to talk about is going to give you another pretty awesome figure to to pose and to put in some pretty cool positions for your photography. And that's a new Black Series General Grievous uh, figure available for pre-order right now. So, Matt, you're, you're the expert here. So why don't, you, why don't right. you break down what you see and what makes this figure something that the toy community would be excited about? Well, first and foremost, it's a prequel character. And in the Star Wars Black Series line, the prequels have been severely underrepresented. Um, I don't know if that really bothers me that much, but there are some key characters from the prequel era that a lot of us collectors of the Black Series line have been wanting to see. Last year, we got uh, Rex. We got Wolf. So we were getting some of the great clones. I mean, Cody's been out there. Gree's been out there. Uh, but some of the more kind of iconic figures from the prequel era have yet to been created. I mean, there's an old derpy-looking Anakin. There's an old derpy-looking Obi-Wan. But nothing using the new digital face paint uh, photo reel application Nick and I talked about during our top 15 moments from 2018 in Star Wars. So, they're... they're um, hell, who makes these... Now it's not Hasbro. Yeah, it is Hasbro. Hasbro is, is starting to roll out these figures with the photo reel application, and we're getting a big dump of prequel guys. And one of the first ones to kick it off is probably one of the most sought-after Black Series figures from collectors and toy photographers, and that is General Grievous. And <laughs> he looks badass. He's going to cost you $30. You can pre-order him now. Nick will have the post link to do the pre-ordering in the cast coast or the cast post excuse me when you're listening to this so you can pre-order if you want to uh but you get grievous with four jedi blades two green two blues his blaster 
And, again, unless your collectors probably will make no sense to you, he comes with a soft goods cape, meaning his cape is fully made out of fabric. Looks like it either has a magnet to attach it or Velcro. And for collectors, that's always a huge deal, Nick. I know, again, this isn't really your wheelhouse, but when figures get soft goods, especially at this price point, which is fairly $30, still reasonable price for this great-looking Grievous. Uh, but the, the soft goods cape has basically given us all a collective toy boner. Yeah, I mean, you can see on the inside of the cape, too, they have the, the sewn-in pockets for the Jedi lightsabers that you were talking about. I mean, the thing looks pretty pretty fantastic we have a shot in the post where the the cape is you know velcroed onto him i think and he's got his arms opened out holding the lightsabers i mean it looks it looks really really great and, and like you said the quality of it looks really good too so I, i'm really interested to see i mean me more than anything i'm looking at this and i'm like well how is matt going to use this in his photography so i want to see well i'm kind of <laughs> pissed because i've already done a series with grievous uh, i actually dropped them right before the year ended if you want to check it out haywood pop on ig but that was using derpy one and the bandai model kit grievous same scale as this hasbro black series grievous is going to be but i'm one of those people it's like once i do a series of shots i don't really want to do them again yeah uh but trust me i, I will definitely be doing something with grievous i might pair him with a. Uh, an Anakin figure I have because I don't have any Anakin Grievous shots. Not that they really had a lot of encounters in the films. Uh, I think they just met on the bridge of Grievous's command ship in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, they definitely tussled a bit more, I believe, in the first Clone Wars animated series, the one from uh, Gennady. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be getting at it. I got my pre-order, and Nick, you know, you know that. I mean, as soon as I saw that, I ordered it right from Entertainment Earth. So uh, as we kind of close out this topic, again, if you're a toy collector, toy photographer, definitely hit me up on Instagram. I don't even care if you follow me. Just just kind of look at some of the shots. Check out some of the people that left comments because the, the toy photography community is ridiculous. And I'm trying to highlight that on our Star Wars Time Show Instagram. So if you are a toy photographer and you want to get featured, I, mean, I know it's kind of helping us build our brand, our audience uh, but we want to help share your work, too. Just make sure to tag Star Wars Time Show on IG, and we'll feature up. Trust me, I'll find you the great pictures anyways and share them. I, I shared one or two this morning. I just I love the community. I love the art form, and it just goes hand-in-hand hand with collecting. So keep your eyes out for Grievous. Once I get him, you know shots will be inbound. But we're not done with the toy stuff yet, Nick. No, we got another one. We've got a... Go ahead. We got another big reveal for the toy yeah, community. Yeah, I mean, we were, like you said earlier, we talked uh, on the last cast about the photorealism with these new toy faces and everything like that. This happened in 2018 due to the new digital scanning effects and stuff like that you were talking about. That was primarily... Well, that Black was series. just for... that. I just want to comment on that, Nick. That was just for the cheap $20 Black Series figures. This Krennic, this is a Hot Toys, so... um. These are what well, yeah, I know I've told you offline. I, I'm collecting Star Wars Barbie dolls yeah. now. That's what this Krennic is. So he's actually going to be about, uh, you know, close to a foot tall, about the size of a Barbie. But as you were saying, these things have always looked ridiculous. I mean, they they're essentially like miniature clones of the actor playing the character. Yeah. When I saw the images of this of this figure, I was blown stu- away. They're stupid. Yeah. Man. They're stupid. You should see them in hand. Like I just got my mythos obi-wan which is from sideshow same scale as this krennic 
and the whole mythos line is kind of pulling from old EU or just playing with the narrative. Uh, so the mythos Obi-Wan essentially casts him as a middle-aged Obi-Wan on Tatooine, his robe's all tattered, he's cut the arms out, uh, he's wearing a backpack that have his, has his old clone armor armor on it. it, it it's, just, it's badass. Yeah, I remember seeing that, that figure when it first was announced. And, I mean, the way that they were able to blend the look of Ewan McGregor and of Alec Guinness into that face, it was incredible. And, I mean, the same thing can be said for this figure of, of Orson Krennic from Rogue One. I mean, the face looks exactly like you're staring into the face of Ben Mendelsohn. Like, it, it looks flawless like you can even see tiny little ridges in his forehead and like you know sunken areas of his face i mean it's a it's a perfect representation of this character from the movie and it's also a perfect representation of the of the person himself of of ben mendelson i mean it is mind-blowing how good this stuff looks i mean it's fantastic I just want to give everyone a war, uh, words of caution when it comes to hot toys and the six-scale Star Wars figures. Once you start, it's over. Um, I started this year, or 2018, collecting. Within that year alone, I believe I added eight of these things, and they usually retail for over $200. Yeah. So be very careful. As Nick has said, and he's not a collector, but you can hear his, his excitement just looking at the pictures. Once you get one of these in your hands, it's over. I mean, once Nick sees these in person at Star Wars Celebration 19, he may even start collecting them. I'm telling you, once you see these things in the flesh, you start to go, my God, yeah. this is a action Yeah, figure. I mean, I'm, we have a, a few shots in here posted in the, in the post on StarWarsTime.net, and the ones where he's standing next to somebody, like there is a shot of him standing next to Grand Moff Tarkin, and I mean both figures. It almost looks like you're looking at the real people. Like it's it's yeah. incredible how realistic these things look. And then obviously, um, he does have some some posability to him. I see in a couple of the shots, he's got his arms raised, and then you know obviously the head moves. Oh yeah, like I mean that. all that stuff. Like his 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 costume, that's all fabric. I mean it's all legitimately hand stitched. The boots are going to be leather. I mean, that, that's why you pay, again, an arm and a leg for these, <laughs> excuse me, for these things. I believe Krennic's going for um, easily over 200 Yeah, and uh, so you can check out the post. We got some images, and if you are interested in these, <laughs> getting in the hot, to- hot toys, sideshowcollectibles.com. That's the best place to get them in America. Fantastic, fantastic looking stuff here. So let's, let's move on now out of the toy universe and into the streaming universe particularly Disney Plus, since that's going to be taking over the license for all the Star Wars stuff uh, from Disney moving forward in 2019. So uh, when Disney Plus was first announced, we got some some big news. We got Clone Wars revival. We got the announcement for the Mandalorian TV show. We also recently got the announcement for Cassian Andor uh, standalone live action TV show. Um, But one thing that everybody was really curious about was movies. We wanted to know if we're going to get any new Disney Plus exclusive Star Wars movies. And Bob Iger cleared that up for us this week. And pretty much the answer is a big fat no. Iger says that, uh, you know, Disney is going to continue to concentrate on Star Wars for cinematic releases. And at this time and probably pretty far into the future, there's no plans for Disney Plus exclusive Star Wars films. 
Um, I was a little bit upset by this, Matt. Did you have kind of a, a reaction when you heard this news from, from Iger? Yeah, I wouldn't say upset, but I definitely wasn't surprised. Um, if, if you read the quotes and you hear his argument, I, I could see why the, you know, the, the main guy at Disney doesn't want to essentially cheapen the Star Wars movie brand by bringing it to a streaming service. Now, in terms of disappointed as a Star Wars fan that we may not get long-form Star Wars programming on Disney Plus in the near future, yeah, of course, that's a bummer. Uh, but I, I'm looking at the shows like Mando, Cassian. I mean, th- th- those are going to be long-form TV. I mean, they're essentially going to be Game of Thrones-esque, uh, you know, Westworld-esque, where you're probably going to get 10-episode seasons of at least an hour an episode. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, 10 hours of Mando content, okay, that's fine. I never really thought they would, <laughs> excuse me, they would bring full-on movies to Disney Plus. At least not w- w- right at launch. I, I think they're gonna wait. I think they're gonna kind of see how things go, how much money it's making, what people. <laughs> excuse me again, people. I'm sick. I'm not doing anything stupid. <clears throat> I know it's annoying, uh, but I don't know. I just I could see maybe five years from now when this thing, I mean, I think it's going to become profitable within like a month or two, but once just like Netflix did once, once it kind of gets its feet under itself, it's been out there for a while. I could see, or even Iger's replacement coming in and maybe flip flopping on that stance and, and trying some additional original programming for Disney plus that is more bird box than defenders. Yeah. I, I, you know I, I mean? can really see it happening in the future. Um, I think that their offering is really strong, though. For the, like, like, like we said, for 2019, their offering is super strong. I mean, Mando right out the gate. We're probably going to get Clone Wars pretty soon after, if not a release title. So, I mean, those two series alone are going to attract Star Wars fans from around the world to Disney+. And then in addition to that, we're also going to have the porting over of all of the new Disney Star Wars movies to the Disney Plus service. So if you want to see Rogue One or if you want to see TLJ, TFA, anything like that, it's more than likely going to make its way to the Disney Disney Plus streaming platform before uh, too long. So it's going to be your home for all things Star Wars. Yeah, he said that theatrical releases will be available on Plus, yes. but at this point in time, he's absolutely not going to make a you know, a $200 million Star Wars movie for Disney+. Yeah, Plus. exactly. It's just too valuable, the the amount of press coverage it gets, the the just the buzz, the, the internet buzz. No, that, and that's, you, you nailed it. That's exactly what he says. He's like, listen, you know, we, we can go and have a movie open on a weekend that makes $200 million, and then the buzz from that builds even more, and before you know, within three weeks, we're at a yeah. billion. So it's... You're not going to get that on a streaming service. Exactly, I mean... With a streaming service, at most, you know, if, if they do end up announcing a, a Star Wars standalone movie for the service, you'll probably get a surge in signups for those people who have been holding out. That, yeah, and then that's it. That's it. There's no more. I mean, outside of their monthly revenue, there's that's yeah. it. Like that movie's not they, they can't say, oh, yeah, this movie made X amount of dollars. I don't even know if Netflix can ever say our movies are making this amount of money. I think all they can say is if they're successful. Yeah, exactly. And what the fuck does that mean? mean, It's a hard metric to track for sure, but I don't think that Disney has anything to worry about for the success of this platform. Um, Iger did hit on one other thing, though, and it was around Disney television series, uh, specifically The Mandalorian. 
And um, a lot of people were asking him questions around why something like that wouldn't go to a to a different Disney-owned platform. I mean, obviously, they Disney owns a lot of uh, television channels, so they own Freeform TV, they own Disney Channel, they own ABC, they own ESPN, a lot of them. Um, so people were asking, well, why wouldn't Mandalorian make its way to ABC or something like Freeform? And I think that was a dumb question, by the way. Whoever asked that. Yeah, uh, and Iger brought up a really good point. Um, if you've ever seen the content of the shows on ABC or Freeform or Disney Channel, you can tell that it's, it's you know, ABC is more towards a, you know, I wouldn't say mature audience, but it's definitely like, like a TVT, like a teen rating. Dude, any any network TV is family friendly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's gotten a little more risque these days. You know, Gotham has some pretty violent stuff on there for Fox, and you know, they, they definitely push boundaries from when we were little kids. I mean, how when we were little kids, if they said poop on TV, it was a big yeah. deal. So, th- uh, but it, yeah, I mean, just who the hell would want Game of Thrones on Fox? Yeah. It, it- I mean, that's essentially what we're saying. It wouldn't here. work. I mean, Disney isn't the... A- AMC is probably the only network you could throw a, a Star Wars live action on and not fuck Yeah, it exactly. Because that's not technically, you, you know, know... It's cable, yeah. so they can do whatever exactly. they want. Exactly. You know, it's not the basic TV channels like we're talking about here with ABC. Um, so that's kind of what Iger brought up. Not only the content, but also the budget. I mean, they're, they're talking about spending $100 million an episode or $10 million an episode for... Uh, the Mandalorian with uh, 10, 10 episodes, $100 million total budget. So, you know, you typically don't spend that amount of money per episode on a on an ABC TV series. I, hell no. I don't think they've ever. I mean, I think at, at the end of Friends, I think each actor was getting like a million per episode. And even that, they're only, you know, is what, 20-some, 23 episodes, so 23 million an actor spread out over a full season of 23 episodes. That's not- yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if we look at any comparable TV shows, any like high budget ABC shows, you can look at uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, is pretty special effects heavy in that. but Right, but it still looks jank. Yeah. Like, I love that show, but you can look at it and be like, yeah, this is a show made for ABC and not AMC or HBO or Disney+. Exactly, Plus. you know. Like you said, I'm a huge fan of that show. I'm caught up all the way up until where we, you know, where the series is closed for the time being. But it's not that quality. It's not HBO quality, AMC quality, anything like that. So we're we're expecting to get that type of quality from The Mandalorian on Disney Plus. And uh, Iger just didn't want to commit that kind of money to a, you know, a basic cable TV show on ABC. So. That's kind of his explanation behind those two things. Um, I'm very curious to see if maybe five, six years down the road, we may get a, an adjustment in thinking from Iger, depending on the success of Disney Plus when, when it comes to uh, standalone movie content. But I'm I'm definitely happy with the offering that's going to be you know kicking open the gates for Disney Plus. I'm more than happy to to binge myself on the Mandalorian and the revival of Star Wars Clone Wars. And, uh, you know, wait for that Cassian show uh, for whenever it's ready. So I- I'm ready to go for Disney Plus. Just give me a release. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do kind of hope they change their tune. I think uh, you never know. I mean, maybe Episode Nine fixes everything and all the idiots become real fans again and appreciate Star Wars, anything Star Wars. I doubt that's going to happen. 
But I, I would love to see Disney Plus to become a home for Star Wars stories. Like, if they're not going to float these in theaters anymore, you know, let, let's let's get the, the Darth Vader Star Wars story on Disney Plus or the Darth Maul Star Wars story on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Jango Fett, a Star Wars story. Boba Fett, a Star Wars story. Captain Phasma, a Star Wars story. General Hux, a Star Wars story. Uh, how about we just... We just do a bunch of these how motherfuckers. How about we bring back fucking Solo, a Star Wars story, and wrap there, that yeah, shit up? Yeah, continue that damn film because we, we know that that was going to be a franchise. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you say to Iger, you, you know, Kazan comes to him and says, hey, look, you know, we have this Disney Plus now. Give me $60 million and I'll make Solo 2. Give me another $60 million, I'll make Solo 3, and then we'll wrap it up. You make both movies for that amount of money. It's way less than you would spend on one, and then you also have a platform where you're guaranteeing success for the movie. I mean, I don't know if that's a financially feasible well, thing. Well, no, you're exactly right. I mean, a lot of times when Netflix rolls out a bird box, I don't even think they look at it as a gamble. I think they're like, hey, fuck it. We got all these bozos paying us 15 plus dollars a month regardless of what shit we put on. Yeah, here. exactly. Like they, they probably have a, a budget set out each year. Like, OK, we got 500 million dollars to make whatever exclusive content that we want based off of what our revenue is going to be this year. And they put out some bullshit, <laughs> bullshit on there. Like, I don't know if you've watched any of these sci fi B movies on there. I mean, some of them are good because they're bad, but th- it seems like these days Netflix is just like, hey, fuck it. If you guys have an idea, we got some millions, here you go. We'll throw it up there. Who gives a yeah, shit? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's become a home for creators to go and, and try out new ideas without the worry about, you know, investors or without the worry about a box office flop not being able to, to recoup your money. I mean, that's why the uh, the Cloverfield Paradox movie went to Netflix because right. Fox was afraid that or whichever studio it was. Well, they didn't have to spend any money on advertising yeah. outside of the, the Super Bowl spot. And that was it. Like if they were actually going to do a real movie advertising campaign for that, it would have been millions and millions and millions and millions of more dollars. And they're just like, hey, we don't even know if this is going to do well in theaters. Screw it. We're just going to announce it during the Super Bowl. And guess what? We'll just release it that night on Netflix. Yeah, exactly. It was a perfect, a perfect move. I mean, I watched the movie. It wasn't great. It was entertaining, but it wasn't anything that I would have gone It was good enough. There. I mean, it was good enough for a Netflix movie. I was like, I, I'll yeah, take I it. I wasn't going to go to the movies to see that, but it was definitely good enough for Netflix, like you said. So um, so that's the news for Disney Plus, people. No, no announcement yet on a release date. Um, it is supposed to be 2019, so I'm sure that we're going to hear. It'll be fall. I'm telling you, they're going to go for like fall sweeps, drop it in, hopefully drop it with the Mando or at least Clone Wars, and we're off to the races. Yeah. So that's it. Let's move on to some other Star Wars TV news, specifically around the new cartoon series. Stuff we've been we've been asking about. Yeah, right? we've been waiting for news about, about Star Wars Resistance since the, the mid-season break happened in December. And, you know, we were kind of left out on a limb there for a little bit, but we finally got the, the word from Disney Brass. Star Wars Resistance is back for the rest of Season 1, and we have a pickup for Season 2. In addition to that, we also got a pretty awesome trailer, a mid-season trailer for Star Wars Resistance that shows that, you know, after the events of the first half of season one, we're jumping right into TFA timeline for the remainder of season one. Pretty damn close. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be this first episode that, that that's going to come back here on January 13th. So those of you listening, 
make sure to tune into our resistance recap because we might have that up for this episode because we'll be watching it Sunday night. Uh, but yeah, man, there's, there's, there's a lot to process from, from that announcement there. I mean, the big thing, at least to me, was that it's, it's confirmed Star Wars Resistance has been picked up for a second season. I know Nick and I have been talking about that all along. You know, every time we've done our recaps, we're like, hey, we're really starting to dig this show, but we don't know. Is this just a one-season run? Is it kind of a self-contained season? What's going to happen? I wonder if people are watching. Is it going to get a new season? Well, now we know. It's definitely been picked up for a second season, which is set to debut fall of 2019. But the first season, again, as Nick said, will be returning on January 13th on Disney Channel. Um, but it's that mid-season return trailer, Nick, that really had some interesting uh, insights in it, as you teased. It does look like towards the end of Season 1 of Resistance, it's going to go hand-in-hand hand with events from The Force Awakens. And what gives that away is in the trailer, for the first time, we see General Hux in Star Wars Resistance. And lo and behold, he's giving his Hitler speech, essentially. Yeah. On um, Starkiller Base. Jesus, I just watched it this morning. Starkiller Base. You know, with all the people sitting there saluting him. He's like, ah, God, ah, pala, pala, <laughs> That yeah. was pretty good. And he shoots, yeah. he shoots the big lasers and blows away the Hosnian system. And, you know, he's a psycho. I mean, you almost at this point in time, now I've seen TFA about 30 times in the past two weeks. General Hux is probably a bigger villain than Kylo Ren and Snoke combined. Yeah, I mean, Hux was such a well, <laughs> like, he was such a well played character in TFA. He's a nut yeah. job. Like, he is like blood, bloodthirsty nut yeah. job. I mean, he, he basically committed genocide. I mean, he just wiped out entire civilization. Yeah, I mean, like, just blew up, like you saw in TFA, just <laughs> blew up three planets at the call. He of, loved like, it. Just, like, he was, like, popping woods to yeah, doing it, giving his speech. Fucking crazy-ass dude. I mean, that's it. They, they camped him up a little bit in TLJ and, you know, made him Kylo's bitch. But, like, yeah, like you know. A little dopey. Yeah, but TFA, he was definitely bringing the heat. Like, he wasn't fucking around. And he was, he was a force to be reckoned with. And you can see... The, not only the force of, of Hux, but the full for, force of the First Order coming down on the Colossus Station in this trailer, which makes it right. so interesting because, you know, the first half of the season, we got a little bit of mix. We got some of the of the Resistance spy storyline from Kaz messing with the First Order. And then we also got some character building episodes around Team Fireball and the Aces and stuff like that. But now this trailer is heavily focused on... The First Order presence on Colossus Station is increasing. There is distress, not only on the station, but in other parts of the galaxy. And not only Kaz, but as we see in the trailer, Poe, Leia, everybody is becoming really, really concerned about this First Order threat. And it's time to start moving against it. Um, and that's what that's what we wanted to see. I mean, if you listen to the last Resistance recap that, that Matt and I did... We wanted to see more of this First Order Resistance Spy type of storyline continue on uh, for the rest of Season 1, and, and we're getting it, and we're getting it in a big way. Well, yeah, I mean, as Nick said, and a lot of this stuff that we're going to see in the, the mid-season return has been set up in the first few ep or the first 11 episodes or whatever it came out. I mean, Doza essentially gave 
the First Order access to the Colossus after the First Order worked with pirates to screw with the Colossus to kind of force Doze's hand. So the First Order, we are learning, has methodically played a game of chess just like Palpatine did for decades. I mean, you got to remember, our man, what's his name? Sheev? Sheev Palpatine. That's him. Yeah, Sheev, Sheev literally plotted for decades decades slowly sat by and let his plan play out first order they moved along a little bit quicker but again they're probably taking their time they probably have a decade or so building up but we're now starting to see how they did it and how they were perceived in the galaxy through star wars resistance that's why it's a great show we're seeing that a lot of people <clears throat> they thought the first resort first order was just kind of a joke they had no clue that they were building up a war machine I mean, we, we learned that in the episode where Kaz and Poe find this uh, abandoned First Order station, and they realized that they were making a bunch of blasters using whatever that mineral was called. And, and now from this trailer, we're seeing that Poe and Kaz are going to go to a star system where the star's gone. So what do you think that means? That was probably where they first tested Starkiller Base. Yeah. Um, so we are going to get, at least in this midseason return, we're, we are going to see how the resistance slowly started to discover all the crap the first order was up to why they wanted the colossus that's the first order it is and basically how the rest of the galaxy just kind of ignored the resistance still and just thought they were some fringe nut jobs until it was too late and too late meaning the new republic was completely eviscerated yeah gone it's gone there's nothing left. I mean, that, that that's what we talked about, talking about TLJ. There's literally like 10 people left to oppose the First Order at this yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. The entire <laughs> governmental structure of the... Of the it's, it's a thousand times more dire than it ever was under the Galactic Empire. Uh, under the Galactic Empire, the Rebel Alliance formed almost immediately. Yeah. I mean, there's a cut scene from Revenge of the Sith where Bale, Mon Mothma... Padme, they essentially form the modern Rebel Alliance. And it was a Rebel Alliance. There was a bunch of them. You heard them, I mean, I just watched Rogue One again. You heard them all sitting around the, the table in the Masasi Temple talking about, well, I'm, I'm going to have to leave the Alliance. We can't do this. We can't fight a Death Star. And this one's like, Rass is like, fuck you. I got, I got our, our motto. Let's fight. I mean, it, it was a very large collection of rebellious systems. And fast forward to post the Galactic Empire, the New Republic, the beginnings of the First Order, There, there's nothing. It literally was just a resistance, like the French resistance in World War II, underground guerrilla fighters. There, there was no alliance of resistance fighters, and now there's basically no resistance. Yeah, left. exactly. That's, that's what's going to make Nine fairly interesting. I mean, the, the, the fact that Padme and Bale and, you know, the other, I think it was the Alliance of a Thousand Senators or a Hundred Senators was the original name for the Rebel Alliance pre-fall of the Republic— um, they saw it coming, so they they were ready to to form up and to really get this rebellion going as soon as the empire took hold. The difference between that and and the the prequel trilogy in the TFA timeline with the resistance is that, like you said, nobody believed anything was going to happen with the first order. They knew they existed. Yeah, they, they're just hanging out in the unknown regions. Yeah. I mean, they're like, hey, whatever. They're just some eclectic nut jobs you know like neo-nazi little militia who yeah cares? and and only the people who had experienced the the rise 
and the the reign of the empire were the ones to jump on it. If you look at you know Vice Admiral Holdo, she was a a very close friend of, of General Leia's, and she was also a confidant and a, and a, a mentee under Leia. She was there as a member of the resistance. Obviously, uh, Leia was there as a member of the resistance. And then if you look around, if you look around the table in, in TFA, uh, there's not a lot, like Matt said, was, you know, like we're present in Rogue One. I mean, there that was about it. Like your leaders of the resistance were the young people, the people who who listened to Leia, believed her that this first order threat was something to be truly fearful of and to to resist at every turn. Other than that. You know, all of the senators and the the planetary governors and everybody like that were blown up in TFA by uh, by Starkiller Base and, and General Hux. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see, like you said, the way that the resistance forms up and the way that they, you know, the, their first strikes, I guess you could say, against the first uh, against the first order. So I'm, I'm really interested in the remainder of season one and what we're going to get in season two. I've always said I love lore, and this show is just adding more lore to the beloved Skywalker saga franchise of films. And I, I, you can't beat that with a stick. I'm sorry. I don't care if you don't like the animation or if your butt gets hurt because someone called it anime style. It's a good fucking show. Good characters. Sometimes funny. Sometimes silly episodes. But ultimately, as as we've seen through the first part of season one and now through the trailer for the return of season one, it also has some pretty legitimate canon-based content that is revealing little lore. I mean, lore ultimately we probably didn't need, but again, it's lore. It's Star Wars lore. It just broadens the picture of the universe we love. So I can't complain about that. I'm excited for the return. You know that with the show coming back, that also means you're going to be getting my Easter egg recap and review breakdown videos and just the full-on recap and review for each episode, new episode of Star Wars Resistance. So make sure to tune in to our YouTube channel for that. You can find it at StarWarsTime.net. All right. Tune in, everybody. So now we're getting into our um, episode 9 part of the show, which will be our last segment of the show. <laughs> Don't worry. We're not done yet. We have three episode 9 stories to talk about. One's pretty silly and shouldn't take too long. And that comes from our buddy, yeah, he's liked some of my pictures on tw- on Instagram and Twitter, so he's my buddy, and that's Mark Hamill. Yeah, Mark is a true gem in the social media space. Yeah, if you're not, I mean, if you're a Star Wars fan and you're not following Mark Hamill on either Twitter or Instagram, you're doing it wrong. If you're someone that doesn't believe in social media, okay, I get it. At least go and look at his profiles sometimes. You don't have to join it. Just, you know, scroll his feed. You're going to have a good time. Yeah. So, you know, Mark has been out there and he answers a lot of Star Wars questions in funny ways. Obviously, he knows that he can't spoil anything. Mark's not an idiot. He's been in the industry almost his entire life. So uh, one intrepid Star Wars fan thought that he might be able to get the title of, of Star Wars Episode Nine out of Mark Hamill. So he went at him on Twitter, asked, you know, Mark, you know, we're, we're in 2019 now. The movie's a year away, less than a year away. What is the title for this film? And Mark being Mark, and then also if you followed Mark recently on on social media, you know that he and Ariana Grande have had a very interesting exchange of tweets. Like they have a. That's what I mean. I mean, the guy is like, 
He's one of the best Twitterers out yeah. there. It's just, you know, and the fact that not only he was able to, you know, to build up his following, but also to have fans like Ariana Grande, one of the biggest pop stars on the planet, who, who I mean, she really admires Mark and loves his work in Star Wars and other stuff. Um, so they had a, a Twitter exchange previous to this tweet. So somebody asked Mark about the title of episode nine. So Mark comes back with a perfectly photoshopped image that says, and it looks real, Star Wars Episode Nine. Thank you. Next. Now, if you <laughs> if you're a fan of Ariana Grande's music, then you'll know that that's one of her mo- uh, more recent songs that was talking about her breakup with some dude. I don't know who she used to date, but um, so Mark dropped that on there. Star Wars Episode Nine. Thank you. Next. Ariana Grande is confirmed as the as the composer of all the music for this film that that Mark has announced. And uh, she will be doing an original score. So, so what you what do you think about this little little piece of fun? I mean, I, I, I like I've been kind of quipping in here. I mean, it's it's vintage Hamill on social media. I mean, it's it's fantastic that he even asked someone probably to take the time to mock up that graphic for him. Oh yeah. Uh, but as we discussed before, uh, sometimes what's even more fun than the actual social media share is going through the comments yeah <laughs> so if you if you read through some of these first they're, they're not that great but then it starts getting interesting all right down here we got darth vader dancing at the disney thing i'm so so fucking grateful for the force then you got the gif of luke doing the dust off from tlj yep. then you got a really fucked <laughs> up version of poe with his mouth like elongated go mark <laughs> Oh, man. Star Wars The Force Awakens The Last Jedi from his nap. That's a good one. It's a picture of Mark laying on stage. Yeah, I see one that uh, somebody tags Kevin Smith and says Star Wars Episode Nine: Return of the Cockknocker. And it's got the Cockknocker gif from uh, <laughs> Star Wars 9 Yoda's Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, oh, it's boy. it. There's there's some good stuff. Episode nine. Wait, we found another Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so if you want to scroll through the scroll through the comments, there's some good stuff in there. Um, somebody somebody said they have a leaked scene, and it looks like they um, they photoshopped Ariana Grande being teleported from from what yeah. looks like Tatooine onto some sort of starship. <laughs> like, no, nah, I mean, just like I said, it, it was kind of a throwaway deal, but it, it's always fun. I mean, I actually put a, a tweet of marks up earlier in the week where. He actually provided some cool little trivia for A New Hope where he explained that <clears throat> when they were filming the attack on... <clears throat> you guys love that. <laughs> I know you do because it's literally making me want to take an ice pick and stab it into my eye. Anyways, he explained that when they were filming the bat- the attack on the Death Star, it was so hot over in London, it was like a heat wave that all the rebel pilots only wore the top half of their costumes and basically sat in their undies or shorts in their cockpits. So I thought that was, that was Yeah, cool. I mean... So basically the rebel rebel pilots attacked the Death Star without Yeah, pants. can you imagine that? Just seeing all of the, the rebellion. <laughs> just hanging yeah, out. Like, yeah. How about Porkin's fat oh, ass and just his top he's and, just, and no He's pants. just in some old school basketball shorts, like the ones that are like mid thigh, high thigh shorts. I mean, right, he's rocking right. it and he's going in. But Almost I mean, in. he's got 
that's what's so wonderful about Mark. He's got such amazing stories to tell. And or did you see his pin tweet where <laughs> instead of wishing people happy birthday all the time, he now just has a picture of Luke from Jedi when he when he turns himself into Vader holding a sign that says insert your name here or happy birthday insert your name yeah. here i mean he d- does he does good yeah, stuff yeah he does some memes he retweets some good stuff he does some good original stuff uh and if let's just say you, if you're not a fan of donald trump he also put some of that stuff up there too yeah so. exactly mark if that stuff triggers you then definitely don't look at mark's stuff on twitter because i'm sure you'll then try to find something to get him fired. yeah so i mean Mark is a true gem to follow. Um, he he answers to you know he answers fans as much as he can. I mean the reason for him having these happy birthday posts up there for you to Photoshop your name into is because previously I think you know a year and a half or so ago he used to go through all of the birthday requests that he could find and personally respond. And like he can't, yeah. He said it basically became a a second full time yeah, job. Yeah, I mean he couldn't do it anymore, so he's like, I mean he's got like two point two million followers, so I mean just figure yeah, it out. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the guy doesn't really have time to go through and answer everybody's birthday requests, but it's nice of him to be able to provide you with this shit so you can do it for yourself. Awesome, awesome. Right, like I said, I mean the fact that this man who I've adored since I was a little boy liked two of my. Uh, toy photography images of his character. I mean, that basically made my life last yeah, year. Yeah, I so. mean, Matt can... I could care less. I mean, in, in 2018, I had Ryan Johnson like a shot of mine from my last Jedi series, and Mark Hamill like two of my shots featuring a custom figure of, of Luke. So, yeah. fuck it. I'm Matt's good. gonna have that shit put on his tombstone. Like he'll... Oh, yeah. I, I, I Trust me. I screenshot it, and I've got it in a secret place, a special place. I'll never delete it. It, it, that, I'm, I'm not lying. I'm not fucking around. I mean, that really, uh, it kind of touched me. I know that sounds ridiculous, but imagine someone that you look up to. I mean, I'm not like a celebrity fucker either. I, I, I appreciate what these people do. I love the characters they brought to life. But if I'm around them, I'm not going to act like they're a demigod. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I, I know how many fans these people do have so the fact that at one point in time in this in mark hamill's life he was scrolling through his instagram feed saw my picture that i tagged him in and he double tapped it fuck it i mean that is just still mind-boggling to me to sit there and think luke skywalker was probably on a toilet flicking through his phone saw something that matt haywood created and thought it was good enough to double yeah. tap. as pathetic as that sounds as a lifelong Star Wars fan, it was I mean, huge. just imagine that, though. I mean, like, like Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker, you know, that's that's your inspiration for a lot of the things that you do. That's a big part Damn of your life. I mean, we've talked about it on our Star Wars time intro cast, like why we got into Star Wars and, and how it's influenced our life. And when somebody like that takes the time out of their day, even if it is just 15 seconds to double tap on a screen to appreciate something that you did that they inspired you to do. Like that is a pretty big moment. That is something to be proud of and to, to try to memorialize in any way that you can. So, I mean, I don't think it's stupid. I've had, you know, a tweet or two liked by some celebrities as well. And of course I've screenshotted them and, you know, I'll talk about it if I'm drunk or something like that to people who will listen, but you know, we love our famous people here in America. There's no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, exactly. So, 
<laughs> We're so backwards, but whatever. Yeah. I love it. Anyway. I love Hollywood. Go give Mark a follow on Twitter, Instagram, anything like that. Um, and it'll definitely brighten your day if you're feeling down and you're a Star Wars fan or if you're a fan of pop culture in general. So, um, Moving on to our next piece of Episode 9 news. This isn't something that we put up on StarWarsTime.net because we thought it was dumb as fuck, basically, just to open it up. This is some fan theories that are out there. Um, and, you know, as with any media outlet... People try to tag these as exclusives or they try to tag them as this is what's going to happen by the way that they word their title. But here on the Star Wars Time Show, what we like to do is take these pieces of idiocy and break them down into their... Oh, I I vet. I mean, trust me, I'm always on the lookout because, you know, throughout the day, I have a little more time than Nick does to kind of fart around on like a Hootsuite or an aggregator and just look for Star Wars stuff to talk about. So I, I found this one yesterday. I read the title. And they, they got me with it. And here's the title. Leia will complete Ray's training in Episode 9, but not how you think. It's like, well, what the... How the fuck can you say that? How can you type that with the bravado of basically guaranteeing that that's Yeah, true? exactly. Like, the way that they worded that title is like they have some sort of exclusive information that... Hey, hey, here you go. Best part is, Nick, it's categorized in their exclusive yeah, section. See, yeah, exactly. It's in the, it's in <laughs> the exclusives. And that's what I was pointing to, like... The way that they they promote these pieces and they put them out there for people to read, you click on it thinking that you're getting actual information. But what you really get is just a harebrained theory that somebody on Reddit thought up or somebody just like feels like putting out there and saying like, this is how this should happen. And look, we're all about speculation. Like we will always speculate on this podcast. We've done it before we do it in, you know, in most episodes that we talk on. But we don't put it out there as like, this is going to happen. This is how this story is going to play out. And that's kind of what happens here. So anyway, like Matt said, that the, the title of the, of the article is essentially saying that Leia, not Luke, will be the one to complete Rey's Jedi training. Um, so, well, I, I don't know if you made it to the second page. Yeah, I did. Um, but like Nick said, it's just dumb clickbait shit it's just it's stupid but I, I on the second page the author i don't know if this is her starting to kind of put her own take on it and i i i, I do kind of buy into what she's saying where she's essentially saying ray has learned specific skill sets from the original mains in each of the two films you know in the, in the original her her piloting her tinkering with han and TLJ, her Jedi-ing, and then she's making the case that in nine, she's going to learn her leader-ing from Leia. Okay, I, I could maybe buy into that a bit more, uh, but the fact that Leia is going to help her complete Ray's training in terms of a Jedi sense, I, I don't think Ray needs any more yeah. of that. I mean, Luke and, I mean, fuck, Yoda said as much. Exactly. I mean, Yoda basically said, hey, bro. She's got all she needs. I mean, by the way, she stole the fucking text, so she can read those if she really wants to. But Ray doesn't need a Yoda, a Luke. I mean, we, we know Luke's going to be in nine, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, like riding on her back. Luke. Yeah, no, I don't. It, I don't it, anticipate it to be anything related to training. He's going to be like Ghost Obi Wan. I mean, it's essentially going to be her her shrink, someone that she can complain to, or maybe get some other insights into stuff from. Exactly. But they're not going to be sitting there training. Exactly. So. Here's the thing from a from a writer's standpoint and somebody who wants to create like a a tale to tell, obviously, it would have been great if we could have had 
the interactions with Leia and Ray, like like was probably planned originally for episode nine. Um, but it's just not it's not in the cards. And especially as a Jedi mentor slash force ghost type of deal here. Um Leia, yes, we've seen her use the Force in The Force Awakens to to save herself from death by black hole, essentially. TLJ. Yeah. Oh, yeah, TLJ, not TFA. My bad. Um, but she... Yeah, and, and honestly, I think that's... Isn't that kind of what this Reddit based their opinion on? Like, oh, maybe Luke trained her because she did do that in TLJ, where I, I still... And I know we, we talked about this ad nauseum here, but that scene... I will give you. It looked goofy, like the the Mary the Leia Poppins thing. Okay, I I, I kind of see that. But people getting bent out of shape over the fact that Leia tapped into the Force to save herself, I that makes no sense. Yeah, to me. and also, I mean, she comes from some of the purest Force blood or genetics in the galaxy, if not the purest. Yeah, and I am. I'm of the mind that you don't need training. I mean, this was proved in The Force Awakens. No, I mean, look, look what Ray did on Jakku to get away in the Falcon. I mean, the money, she never fucking flew that ship. And the, look at the shit she pulled yeah. off. And and that's when Snoke was like, there's been an awakening. I mean, he literally felt. The Force tremor. Felt. <clears throat> felt the light side <clears throat> coming back to life. When Ray unknowingly, subconsciously was tapping into yeah, it, and then again we see it on the in the forest on on Star Killer base surface when she's fighting yeah, against. She Kylo. fucking reaches for the lightsaber. I mean, no one taught her that yeah, so, shit. So, so the, the the idea that Leia needed some sort of force training from Luke <laughs> in order to be able to do what she did in TLJ to save herself from the vacuum of space is just. It's not grounded in anything that is that is truth that we've seen in the films or even in the the cartoon series or novels. Um, it's been shown multiple places that that people who have force affinity can tap into the force without formal training. And I I know that fans have this deep deep desire to see Leia in some sort of force force affinity force you know, force using way, but it's just not going to happen. That's not who her character is. Well, it was explained. Wasn't it explained in the, um, the aftermath trilogy where, you know, Luke wanted to train her and she's like, listen, I I don't want to do that. I need to be the general. I need to still organize and keep this rebellion, this resistance, yada, yada, yada. Exactly. I mean, she's like, Luke, that, you know, that's your deal. She knows her, her role. You get the Jedi stuff going. Exactly. Like she was never the one to pursue the Jedi training. She was never the one to, to delve into the learnings and the teachings of the force. No, but we know she had the potential. I mean, for Christ's sake, Yoda says it in empire. Yeah. I mean, even before they came out with that, these these short stories, which canonized the fact that Yoda did not want to train Luke, he wanted to train Leia. But now that I've seen Empire a million times, he literally says it on Dagobah as he's yeah. Leaving. He says, "Don't worry." I mean, Obi Wan's like, Obi Wan's like, "Off, oh, we're fucked." He's like, "Don't worry about it." They're, they're yeah, moving. exactly. Like, like <laughs> so that they, they all know she's locked and loaded just as much as her brother and her father. Yeah. So uh, how is it crazy that the Force, the midichlorians, again, living things? Wanted to save themselves from the vacuum of space. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's nonsensical to think that that the way that Leia is going to be It's nonsensical that people have fucking blades of light and can make shit move with their hands, right? We're talking about fucking sci-fi again, right? Yeah. Fiction. But <laughs> it's like sometimes people get so worked up, like, uh, you know, in space, if you're dropping bombs, they'd float. It's like, 
Well, yeah, no shit. Well, do you think maybe they had magnets or something? Or do you ever just think it's a fucking fiction Yeah, exactly. Movie? It's like, come on, <laughs> man. Like, who gives a come fuck? on. It's like my man Neil deGrasse Tyson, like his bit's getting old now where he comes in and tries the science, science fiction movies. Like, bro, we get it. We know you know your shit. You're smart as fuck. I love you, but why are you trying to explain a science fiction? Yeah, we know that the shit that's happening is likely not possible. I mean, it is cool if he can see, like, you know, if he can go in and say, like, hey, this thing that happened in Interstellar is pretty, pretty accurate to what would actually happen. But then when he's like, bombs would float in space, it's like, yeah, dude, we know that. But if bombs float in space, then you can't do the cool shit that we just saw in TLJ. Like, you have to take creative license, you know, when it comes to shit like that. Or like I said, I mean, what what if they had like a tracking system or just fucking crazy magnets? I mean, that's not crazy to think that they could just, you know, be attracted to the hall of a, you know, a uh, first order gunship. Whatever. Anyway. Point being here, people, don't get so mad that Leia could use yeah. the Force. And don't expect Leia to train Rey with the Force at all. If anything, like this author kind of brings this whole clickbait piece home, Leia may impart some of the wisdom, leadership type of stuff to Rey. I, I don't even know if I see yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't see Leia coming. I, I think if she's importing any leadership wisdom, that's going the pro. Yeah, exactly. Like... The the interaction that Leia and Ray had at the end of TFA was so short that it, it can almost be written off at this point unless JJ decides to follow up on it in some way. Um, we see it at the end of TLJ too when they're in the in the Falcon together and they're talking. It, it, a little it's bit. a it's a trend, right, Nick? I mean, Leia and Ray only meet at the end of the yeah. movies and they basically hug each other, feel sad because they lost someone that they both know and that was close to them both. And there exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's been their relationship so far. Yeah. So I don't know what the hell is going to happen at at the end of episode nine where Ray and Leia are going to hug it out somehow. But it's that's probably the best shot we got right now. But like you said, I think you're 100 percent accurate as to what Leia, who Leia would be imparting wisdom onto. She would. Yeah. Don't be surprised if Poe's back to commander, if not a general, by the time we meet him in episode. Exactly. Nine. She because he is. I mean, even at the end. You know, the one of the last scenes in TLJ where Poe's like, all right, I realize what Luke's doing. We need to get out of here. And he starts walking and everyone stops and they look at Leia and she's like, you heard the yeah. man. I mean, she basically acquiesces leadership of the resistance to Poe at that moment. That's when she realizes that he's learned his lesson from the beginning of the film and he's now ready to lead the resistance and not just be an ace. Yeah, exactly. He is, he is the future of the resistance as is ray the future of the he's gonna be the general i mean they're gonna whack leia we know it's coming it has to come Mm -hmm. yeah poe will be the general oh yeah there's nobody he's gonna be he's gonna be whatever the mon mothma he's gonna be the mon mothma the maydeen the akbar all rolled into one essentially yeah he, he doesn't have the anybody else that can take that spot he has to take up the mantle of leader of the resistance just like ray has to take up the mantle and he'll of, make snap snap will be promoted to commander be, commander snap yeah, just just make princess leia's kid billy she'll be like uh captain lord yeah yeah what was her she was general Con, uh conics or she was it's not general but it is Cor- something conics. Yeah, lieutenant lieutenant conics but i think she's gonna be a bigger player i mean obviously as a just 
homage to her mother. Also, but... Billy, she does a lot of her own stuff now. Like she's a big player on the American Horror Story TV series. Yeah, no, like I'm that. I'm all for it. Like I said, I when it comes to Star Wars nepotism, the more the merrier. Yeah, care. put them in there. I mean, th- let's make Greg Grunberg like a secondary character, like a full secondary character. Yeah, let's bring him back. Let's bring him back. <laughs> we all know Ryan basically scrubbed him and the um, what's his name, uh, the Asian general that. JJ used and lost. Yeah, yeah, he was gone too. I can't remember his name though. He he was kind of just <laughs> scrapped in TLJ. Th- these are basically roles that the directors put their friends in. So just when it came to TLJ, I'm sure Ryan was just putting his friends into the random no name general roles of the yeah, resistance I mean, or, or leadership. Remember roles. that the director of Rogue One was also in TLJ, Gareth Edwards. He was on. Yeah, he's he's one of the crate troopers. He's not. He's the one that looks at the guy that eats the salt. Like he's yeah, weird. exactly. So I mean, stuff like this makes its way into the films all the time. It's just who the director wants to be in those kind of one-off throwaway roles. So, but you know, you know, Snap's coming back. Oh, yeah. I mean, Greg is literally like JJ's childhood friend. I mean, I think the only reason Greg is in Hollywood and has had jobs is because of JJ. yeah. I mean. He- and I like the guy. I I always like the characters Greg Grunewald plays. I mean, he kind of plays the same guy. Yeah, um, I mean, he was kind of like the big fat nice. I guy. mean, I think his his main starring role was when he played in Heroes. But I mean, it was good stuff. I mean, um, I think he was in Alias too. Okay, yeah, I hadn't seen Alias. No, I'm telling you, he's he's just one of those guys that you know directors do it. They they basically carry their boys through. And Ron Howard's brother, for example, same thing. You know, Ron Howard, the goofy-looking brother, Who was I mean, he, he, he puts him in every movie. Uh, I'd have to go back and look for him. He, he was the um, the droid-fighting master in Solo. Okay, okay, the guy yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that Leet smashes up against yeah. the fence. Yeah. I mean, Ron puts him in every single movie in parts that get prime-time camera time, but they're never like a big major character. That's okay, what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. That's, that's Greg for JJ. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean... And then getting, you know, getting back to Leia's role in Episode Nine, like this article tries to speak to, um, likely what we're going to see is heavy, heavily involved with the Resistance and not so much heavily revolved, uh, involved with Ray. Just because oh, I agree, I, I don't, I don't, I honestly, I will not be surprised if they're not together in a single scene. To be honest, yeah, with you. I mean, they didn't have any time to shoot with with. Carrie, unless like Todd said, I mean Todd said, listen, people, these aren't just outtakes. This is like full-on scenes of my sister that were ripped from TFA, that they've been able to rework. I mean, that that's the only way you're gonna get a legitimate General Leia and Ray scene pulled off. Yeah, it's gonna be really um, interesting. And they would almost have to do it where they'd have to film Daisy's parts now. And kind of just use a stand-in for Leia. So, you know, when the camera's looking at Daisy, that'll be a Leia or a Carrie stand-in. And then they'll cut over and there'll be like a Daisy stand-in using the old footage of Leia. Yeah, exactly. But, so I don't, I just, <laughs> I would be surprised if these two are face-to-face talking in this film. I Maybe through communicators. Uh, I would love to see it. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see Leia and Ray. Uh, I would love to see the two just talk about Han and Luke. I mean, shit, I could watch a full movie just on that. You know, Ray and Leia coffee time. Yeah. Where they just sit there and, and talk about the the loved ones they've lost exactly. to essentially Kylo. Exactly. So 
it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how Leia's worked into this movie. I think this theory is kind of off the wall and probably is not gonna happen. But uh, we're less than a year away now, people. We're December 2019 is what we're looking at for release date. We're in January 2019, so countdown begins. Um, last piece of news we have is another piece of Episode Nine news, and it's a it's a hint. It's a possible hint at at planetary systems that we might see in the episode nine film from a gift bag that the crew got and matt you dug this up one day and yeah so first and foremost when i read stuff like this it just makes me again hate my career decisions in life uh because as as nick said basically around the holidays anyone that was on the first unit crew for star wars episode nine so essentially the principal photography crew the main crew probably the crew that jj was directing they got a gift bag that came with like a kind of like a, a ski jacket, black ski jacket with an episode nine patch. It had some other swag in it, you know, like a bad robot shirt, a, a handwritten note from JJ literally to everyone in this crew. Uh, but the interesting stuff in terms of Star Wars episode nine speculation goes there was two jars contained within the gift bag. One was sand. One was black bean. They both had labels on them. The one with the sand, the label said, from a long, long time ago, not so far away galaxy, hint, hint. And the black one just said, swallows you up whole. So when you take those notes into account with the description that the Redditor poster put of the gift package, which reads like so. So for those asking about the bottles, the sand, and it is really fine sand, is from a sacred place on a familiar planet. Dun, dun, dun. The beans are something to do with a Jedi eater, whatever that means. It'll all be clear in December, and all NDAs aside, I really know nothing more apart from they're one of the coolest gifts I've ever received. So, let's start with the sand bottle, Nick. To me, when you get the fact that J.J. wrote on the note from a long, long time ago, not so far away galaxy, I think it's just kind of tongue-in-cheek, hey, this is from the shooting location that was supposed to be this place from a long, long time ago. And the fact that the term sacred was used, Tatooine, Jakku, Jeddah are the only three. Exactly. And only three that that qualify for the word sacred, familiar, and then the saying long, long time ago, not so far away. So if if we're going to look at the sacred part of it, I think that we can probably cross out Jakku. Jakku is a very important planet when it comes to Star Wars history. It was where the final blow against the Empire was essentially um, given to them in the Battle of Jakku at the end of the Imperial Reign. Well, you know what? I'm going to change my tune because don't we learn in those Aftermath books that Palpatine had one of his bunkers on Jakku? Yeah, he had one of the bunkers on Jakku. So I guess that technically could be sacred and familiar. It could be. It could be. But when I hear sacred and familiar and I think about Star Wars and especially well, the Skywalker exactly, family and blah, blah, blah. Like this Star Wars, you know, Skywalker, I immediately think of Tatooine. And I would imagine that the sacred part of Tatooine would have to be something to do with Luke, something to do with his upbringing, something to do with his childhood. Yeah, like, I mean, are we talking the, the Lars homestead? I mean, there's no one left, really, right? I mean, yeah, there's the Lars was, Lars's are all wiped out. They're all, yeah, they're all done. Uh, could it be Anakin's slave home, like Shmi's home from Phantom Menace? Yeah, 
Uh, or is it a sacred place on Tatooine? We never knew. Could it be where Luke forged his lightsaber in Return of the Jedi, the deleted scene? I don't know. Uh, but when we're talking sand and Star Wars, I, I think it's those three three locations. I'm giving Jakku a little more <laughs> credit than I originally did, but I, I still believe they've gone out of their way in episode episode seven, especially gone out of their way to basically tell Ray, like, listen, Jakku's a fucking no no name shithole loserville. And then Ryan even pokes fun at it with Luke and TLJ, like where you know Luke's like, where are you from? She's like Jakku. He's like, oh my god, yeah. Like, basically, that's even worse than being from Tatooine. I feel so bad for you. Like, I think they've just gone out of their way to make a point that Jakku is no man's land. Nothing special has ever come from there. It's a place that you want to get away from, forget about. It means nothing to Rey or any of the characters outside of that's where the Empire was finally toppled. Yeah. So, I mean, I really do think that... And you mentioned Jeddah, and Jeddah is the planet that we saw in Rogue One. It's about... A quarter of the way blown exactly. up. They blew the shit out of it. I mean, the entire... And they blew up any any sacred aspect of Jeddah was literally at the eye of the storm. I mean, right where the Death Star beam hit was the most sacred place on Exactly. Jeddah. Like, Krennic gave the <laughs> so... order to blow up the holy city. Like, to not blow up the whole planet, but make sure that the holy city is destroyed. So whatever the guardian of the wills were protecting there before the planet was blown up is now gone. We saw that scene happen, and we also saw the death of, um, oh gosh, his name is escaping me now. Forrest Whitaker's character, Sagarera. Oh, yeah, Sagarera. So we saw him die there, and we saw the whole planet essentially get cratered in some way. So really, I mean, I think it's got to be Tatooine, and I think. After. So do you think it's Ray going back or Kylo? I think it's Ray, man. I really do think it's Ray. Or do you think both of them are, are simultaneously on their own kind of force-like spirit walks? I think that if my initial yeah, because kind of like we talked before, like they're 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 both kind of trying to fix things. Where she may be on an adventure to fix the her blade, the Skywalker blade, now the Ray blade. And Kylo may be trying to get back to his, I really need to channel my, you know, my Vader roots again and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I think somehow, whether it be him chasing her or them just happening to go to the same place, like one of them is following the other, whether it be intentionally or not. And like they're just going to these places, these sacred, whether it be sacred Jedi places or, or, or like these bunkers that we talked about for Palpatine. Like, they're both going there for different reasons. And I think, I mean, for for Kylo, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, Tatooine is the ancestral home of his, and, of, of his grandfather and his uncle and his mom. I mean, like, they all had some roots in Tatooine. So for him to make that pilgrimage there would make sense. For Rey to make that pilgrimage there would be purely based off of something that luke would feed to her via a I, I just you nailed it dude nailed it i was just gonna say i think the only reason ray ends up there is because force luke's like hey just like force obi hey you need to go to dagobah motherfucker get your dead ass up and get there yeah 
you know, Obi-Wan basically didn't really tell much. He said, you need to go Dagobah, find this motherfucker named Yoda, and yeah. okay, it, now figure out how to live. He had no idea who Yoda was. He hit the water. He couldn't get his fucking ship out, and he found this little weird green dude, and he's like, well, I don't know who the fuck you are, but... <laughs> the best yeah. part. Uh, Yoda just fucking trolled him the whole t- the whole time just to figure out if he was still a spaz, and he, he did. He's like, yep, I told you, Obi. This, he's a fucking yeah. idiot. I told this you. This guy is... He's off, but... Yep, I mean, I love. It. I mean, he, he literally goes from goofy hobo Yoda to right in Grandmaster when he when they're in the hut, and he channels Obi Wan. He's like, "Told you, motherfucker." Yeah. So, told you. Look at him. We should have trained later. I mean, if we move on to the second bottle, I mean, this one is the the real second bottle. I, I do believe is a metaphor. I, I don't think we're going somewhere where either a planet or animals or beasts or monsters on a planet are Jedi eaters. I, I truly believe that the dark bottle of what I believe are black beans means or what it represents is the dark side is a Jedi eater. I mean, we, we saw it eat Anakin. Saw it eat Kylo. We saw it. We saw it eat Kylo. Yeah. And then uh, it could, I mean, Dooku, Mustafar, maybe. Mu- yeah. If we're talking locations, yeah, I mean Mustafar does have a very slate black kind of motif to yeah, it. I mean, it's it's an ashen obsidian like surface. I mean, we know Vader had a castle there. I mean, yeah, you don't think Kylo would want to go check out Gramps' Dude, castle? Dude, I think that's a that's a great call because I mean, until Rogue One, we never did see Vader's castle on Mustafar. Right, it was all like either comic book or EU Yeah, shit. and now, I mean, it was fantastically portrayed in, in Rogue One as well, so I mean... Yeah, so let's get some more use out of it. Maybe Kylo just takes it up, and that, that becomes his, his base of operations. I mean, could you imagine, but- though, if... What if this happened, where, like, you have two different Force-Ghost interactions between those two characters where you have Luke that's kind of talking to uh, to Ray, but then Anakin is talking to Kylo and it's taking them the same places, but for different reasons. That would be, that would be real. That's actually would be really cool. I just, I don't know why Anakin would revert to being on the side of evil again, though. But maybe it's not on the side and, of unless evil. Unless he's trying to help Kylo see what Luke helped him to see. Yeah, like maybe... That he wasn't all bad and he was still good and he could redeem himself. Uh, but I don't see Anakin willingly going along with Kylo's downfall into No, madness. I don't think so either. I think you're 100% right that it would be Anakin leading him towards the good. Could you imagine if Anakin told him, I like as Vader, I had a castle on Mustafar, go there, but the thing that he shows him is the back-to-tank where he had to spend all of his time when he wasn't in the suit. He's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of like our heated argument the last time. It, it's like, why the fuck doesn't Kylo know this shit? Has he just choose? Has he chosen kind of like a lot of people do now? Has he just chosen to ignore facts to suit his, the narrative he wants in his own. I head? think it's very possible. I mean, like he's taking a very narrow view of his grandfather. And I think at some point he realizes that, like he knows that, my my grandfather was somebody before he was Darth Vader, but I'm choosing not to acknowledge that. I'm only acknowledging. And, and he was somebody after Darth Vader. That that to me is the biggest yeah. point. I mean, who gives a shit what Anakin did before the turn? The, the key point is, is that one of the most evil Force users in the galaxy of all time was able to return to his good self 
through his son. And it's really never been done before. I mean, yeah, you could say, you know, Revan eventually became good again, but that's not real anymore. Yeah, that's not not real canon. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could, I mean, I think you're hitting on something though, where like there is, I feel like there is almost an intentional denial of facts. It it has to be. I mean, he has to just be, he's just being ignorant to suit what he wants in his head. And that's why I always said, I mean, Kylo to me is pure evil, way worse than Anakin Darth ever was because he's embracing this stuff. I mean, he wants it. He's willfully, we're guessing, he's willfully ignoring facts that prove that his grandfather, while one of the worst human beings in the galaxy, was still able to realize the errors of his way and do the right thing in the end and ultimately save the galaxy. I mean, without Vader's turn, nothing happens. Yeah, I, I... Luke, Luke did not save the day. He saved his dad, and then his dad saved exactly. the day. Exactly. Like Vader... Anakin saved the day. Anakin saved yeah, I mean, the galaxy. Luke, get, Luke gets a lot of credit, but I think if you ask Jedi Luke at the Ewok celebration, hey, man, how'd you save us? He'd be like, I didn't save us, my father. Yeah, I mean, Luke was defeated on the ground. All it took was inaction from yeah, I Vader. Mean, the Emperor, I mean, Emperor told him, he's like, you foolish idiot. You really thought you could beat me even, even if you did uh, kind of – turn back my advances towards the dark side. He's like, you had no foresight. You had no idea what I can do. And I mean, he was kicking, he was frying him to death. Yeah. I mean, Luke had no shot. He was, he was dead. done. And if, if all it would have taken was Vader to sit there for another minute without doing anything. And, and Luke would have been a husk yeah, on the ground. And over. that was it. But he didn't like he, he, he turned and he saved the day. Anakin Skywalker saved the day. And, and that so day. you would think if you were a, a Vader Homer and you knew his complete story, in the end you would worship him for his ultimate act of good and saving the galaxy even for a short period of time because we know it went right back into turmoil. Yeah, you th- you would think you would latch on to that and not the evil stuff. So that's why I've always said like Ben Solo is just a bad fucking egg. Yeah, I mean he. I mean, he is a bad egg. I mean, Snoke got to him as a kid in his head and poisoned yeah, and, him. and really just... And that's why I think that if there is a redeeming factor to it, it can't be through Luke, because he doesn't respect Luke. It would take a, <laughs> it was, it would take an act... Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I think the only one that can redeem Kylo is Rey. Yeah, I mean... It, it, I still don't know how she does it outside of killing him. It would him. take an act from Luke that is... I mean, it would it would have to be beyond an apology, like you know, but it would it would have to be something that he does through his force, ghost form, like giving him some sort of knowledge. I'm telling you right now, Kylo will redeem himself through an act, or Ray will redeem him by killing him. I mean, the, the force ghost will have no hand in the redemption of either live character. Yeah. No way, no way they're going to give that moment to a force ghost. The force ghost may push them up to that point. But it's either, to me, it's either going to be Kylo sacrificing himself at the last minute, just as Darth Vader did. I mean, that was a sacrifice. Vader knew if he went for Palpatine when he's blowing out all this dark side lightning, that he was toast. Yeah. I mean, he knew it was a suicide Yeah, because he was all And I think that would be, it'd be very similar to what Kylo would have to yeah. do. Yeah. I just think that there's, like, for Vader, there was nothing left. For Vader, he was at the end of his rope. Like, th- there was no life left for him. Um, well, there was, and the, the life left in him was 
doing right by well, his yeah. son and acknowledging to his son that I mean, he tells him point blank, Luke, you were right. Tell your sister you yeah, were right. I, I mean, like after that, like after his redemption moment, there was nothing left for him to live for. Like there was. Well, he was. I, I think I've read. I don't know if it was George or behind the scenes. Apparently, when Luke tapped into the dark side to take him down, like Luke kicked the fuck out of him. Yeah. Like I know we we see the the lightsaber fight. I mean, it's one of the weak old school lightsaber fights. But you know, when he's sitting there whacking him and whacking him and whacking him and whacking him, he finally gets through his cuts guard his and cuts his yeah. hand off. It basically Luke was like full on going daddy boy and just throwing like dark side hate at him. Like just think, just waves of the dark side were flowing from Luke into Vader and. From what I've read, I mean, Luke's beat down highly damaged Vader, and then obviously he knew once once he started getting electrified, he was fucked. Yeah, yeah, I mean. But I just, I, I don't really see any other way for Kylo to be redeemed, either through a new threat coming in and he has to team up with Rey, Rey kills him to, re- to just win and just he just stays bad, or he does what Granddaddy did and in the end sacrifices himself for the right i guess just like me personally i like that character so much that i feel like it's a waste to only have him in three movies and portray him the way that you did like it was a good character arc for well what do you think people felt about darth vader back yeah i I know but we also i mean like same thing i mean darth maul was technically only used in one movie i mean Unless they plan on doing a 10, 11, 12, I don't know. I mean, I, they've said the Skywalker saga is over. Yeah. And he is the last Skywalker. Yeah. Or will be. So. I guess. I mean, I guess I guess you're right by that logic. I just... I'm just... I, hey, trust me, man. I, I would take Kylo for here to the cows come home. But if we're going on what they've said, Skywalker saga is over. The only way to truly kill the Skywalker saga is Leia's gone and Kylo's yeah. gone. Yeah, I mean you're right. You're That's right. It. And then you could you could carry on then with Ray, Finn, and Poe. It's just such a it's good character. He's just know. such a good character. I just want him to live somehow. Yeah, he's, probably, he's, <laughs> he's one of the best in the new trilogy. But I, I think he is the tragic hero, just like Darth Vader yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, he's that character in this story. He's going to be the one that bad, 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 bad sees the light, does a heroic act, saves yeah. the day. Yeah, you're probably right. I got to let that go. Kyla, I mean, like, I, it is JJ, man. I mean, he could very well, you know, if he's doing the Band-Aid like everyone thinks, he could very well make this similar to ROTJ. So. Yeah. So, we'll see. I'll cry. I'll the cry. The tricky if, part if, is, and, and like I said, I mean, if this whole Hux betrayal thing plays out, there is a chance that Kylo could just figure it out on his own and then turn on the First Order and help the good guys. So that that's a yeah, possible outcome, too. And that's what we call Nick's It's outcome. out there. It's, ah, uh, come on. <laughs> I mean, that's Nick, Nick's fan, Kylo fanboy, Kylo, president of the Kylo fan club yeah, outcome. Yeah, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Because <laughs> also, if we do move into it, like, aside from the fact that they're saying it's the end of the Skywalker saga, but if we do move into something like we speculated on before for you know, 10, 11, 12, where it is a using Vong type of situation. Like, could you imagine how awesome it would be to have him there for that? Like, yeah, totally. Trust I mean, me. Yeah, I'm just, I'm busting your balls. I mostly, but I, I don't know. I just, if they truly want to end it, I mean, that that's definitely one way to end that line, but I don't want it to end. I mean, I know at one point in time when Daisy Ridley was doing interviews or she was still on social media, 
I believe she said like, oh yeah, I'm I'm done after these movies, and then she had to clarify like, oh yeah, you know, I would be happy to return if we had yeah. to. It was almost like her agent got there like, yo, basically, uh, you have to play Ray the rest yeah. of your life. That's Disney what you owns your entire likeness now. <laughs> I mean, so. um, look at Harrison Ford, by the way. You think he wants to be here? Yeah, that motherfucker was – he was the most adamant I hate Star Wars person ever after he finished Han Solo. He was like, I wanted right. Han Solo dead, and they wouldn't let me do it. <laughs> and I guarantee you when TFA came around, he's like, listen, motherfucker, you kill me. That's the only way I'm doing yeah. this. It's, if you – Han has to die in the first yeah, movie. If you don't kill me, then you can get somebody else to play Han Solo. Like, good luck. Yeah, so, I mean, any, any of these actors, basically, they're their characters for oh, life. Yeah. Uh, it, it's different than, I think, what Mark Carey and Harrison went through, specifically Mark and Carey, where they're essentially just Luke and Leia forever and really never had other breakout roles. Unlike Harrison, he was able to, to move on to his... Uh, you know, the, the clear and present danger guy, the Indiana Jones guy. Um, I mean, he didn't really affect no. him. I think his career is going to be more like the, the new people's career, where they're going to be able to expand into other roles. It's fine. Uh, but they're always, I think, going to be relied upon to come back and honor their their Star Wars I characters. think so, too. Hollywood has evolved a lot since then. Like, you can have people play characters well people like want to be in star wars yeah. now in the 70s and 80s i don't I, I don't think they wanted to be in like sci-fi yeah exactly like and also star wars wasn't anything like you take like an actor like oscar isaacs who is famous in his own way like he, he's been in big movies decided that he wanted to be in star wars and that wasn't a decision that he wanted to take to kill his career like same with adam driver like he wasn't in massive stuff but like Adam Driver is a well-known Yeah, I mean, people actor. are begging to be in it now, like in, in any any form or fashion. You know, g- give me a cameo. Put me in a mask, for Christ's sakes. I mean, Simon Pegg and TFA, you wouldn't even know he was yeah, in it. Yeah, exactly. But he's Uncar Plot. Yeah, I mean, same with he's in fucking big, Daniel then, uh, Craig. Daniel Craig was the, the right. stormtrooper or the first storm order trooper who was doing the manipulation on Ray, or Ray did the uh, manipulation on him. Like, And I believe Tom Hardy was a trooper in TLJ, yep. and... Um, who else was in that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know the the princes were in it, but they got cut. Harry and William. Oh, were really? It. I think they were troopers, too. Damn it. I know there's another famous yeah, guy. Yeah, but... I mean, hell, you could you could argue Benicio Del Toro's I mean, character was essentially just a random Yeah, just a guy. random famous guy cameo. And then, like, one of the biggest musicians on the planet with Donald Glover is Lando Calrissian. I mean, I know he is an actor and musician, but, like, Childish Gambino is... Probably. Yeah. Like, Point being, <laughs> people would basically pay to be in a Star Wars movie at this point in yeah. time. So, uh, unless you're, um, damn it, what's her name? Who plays Rose? Oh, uh, Kelly Marie Tran. <laughs> yeah, she probably would pay to not be in Star Wars. Yeah, those again, fuckers. Which is a damn shame. Really, really. I just, I can't stand people like that who, who just take that poor girl's life and ruin it. I mean, not really. Yeah. I mean, they didn't ruin her entire life, but like put her through what they did and force her off of every online social network possible because well i mean I, they're racist she hasn't done anything since i mean i didn't really know of her before tlj and how big her career was but you you'd think she'd at least popped up in a movie here or yeah there. i mean just Nothing. pure racist bigot pieces of shit yeah i mean really the only people that have, that have kind of springboarded are boyega and you know daisy has done a 
She did one movie she last did year, the, but even she's... Uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Right. And a couple other... Yeah. But she's not even... I mean, Boyega's probably making the most out of this. I mean, like you said, Isaac's already had a career. Yeah. And then, yeah, Boyega, we, he was in the Pacific Rim movie, and then he was in... Yeah, uh, he, he starred in Pacific Rim. Other so. Chicago. <laughs> he was in that movie Chicago, too. So he's, he's done his stuff, too. So um, anyway, you know, these... This gift bag was very interesting. A lot of speculation. Yeah, the whole Jedi it. eater thing or swallows you up whole. Like I said, don't think we're talking about a, a an actual literal monster. I just think it's it's playing on the whole motif of light and dark and how everyone has them and there's a balance and how if you let one side take over too much, it, it could be bad. But especially the dark side, if you let it take over, it will eat your light. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. We've hit all the news for this. Yeah, week. that does it. That does it for um, this episode of Star Wars Time Show. So we had some silly stuff in there. We had some collecting stuff. Uh, but most importantly, at least to me, we're, we're getting that regular Episode Nine content. And that's how I hope the rest of this year plays out, all the way up till December when the movie drops. But if it doesn't, you know, Nick and I will be prepared to bring a topic to your ears. All right, so make sure to stay tuned for the return of our Resistance Recap podcast. Um, we'll be doing that for the new episode that's going to air on January 13th. So that should be coming out sometime during the week of January 14th. The way you can make sure you don't miss any of our new content is to just go to StarWarsTime.net. Bookmark that bad boy. Try to check it daily. Uh, Nick and I definitely keep it fresh you know, maybe just a post a day, but there's always going to be at least one thing new on there. And there's always going to be at least one new podcast during the week to listen to. So we appreciate you. We're starting to see some of the numbers come in now that we've flipped the switches and we're on our own Star Wars Time Show podcast network. So make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Android, email. It's all on StarWarsTime.net, people. That's the easiest way to get in the know with the Star Wars Time Show. All right, until next time, may the Force be with you. Always.